So we have been talking about this transition for about a half a year now for a lot of you. Some of you were new at RUF this fall, and so it's a little bit fresher for you. But we've been talking about this for half a year now, since June. And um, we've done a ton of preparation. Uh, a lot of people in the room even have busted their tails this, these past half of a year uh, to prepare for the spring and to get all of our ducks in a row. So Jonathan's main task can be just getting to know you and hanging out with you. And not having to do all this other stuff. So we've prepared, we've done all that kind of stuff. We've talked about it, we've prayed about it, but now it's on the on the threshold. It's right in front of us. And so um, Anna and I have experienced a, a variety of emotions, and I know you have too. And um, we said the, uh, a couple times ago that not much is going to change in RUF, except for the person up front. But let's be honest, that's a big change, right? It's a big change who stands up on a Tuesday night and... and and preaches the gospel to you and reminds you that the truest news in the world is good news. Uh, and it makes a difference who sits across uh, the table from you and listens to your life and prays with you and um, from time to time uh, helps you put your life back together, points you to Jesus. That does make a big difference. And so the, the passage that I wanted to talk to you about um, briefly tonight is a passage about changes in ministry, changes in people who've had an impact in you. And um, what we're supposed to do in the midst of that. What should you do? What should you be thinking right now? What should you be feeling? And I get it. Some of you are new and this isn't a big deal for you. And that's awesome. Um, Some of you have been around a long time and it's a bigger deal for you. And so uh, for all of us, what should we do in the midst of this? Let's let's read this passage together. Stand up. We'll read this passage. Uh, and I, I really am just want to ramble for just a few minutes about it. Um, there's really one point and that's it. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. This is Paul, the apostle, who uh, it, it sounds silly to say he didn't grow up Christian because no one grew up Christian, especially in this uh, time period. But uh, Paul grew up Jewish, and Paul's favorite pastime was doing everything in his power, everything in his, his waking days, to snuff out the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul hated Jesus with every fiber of his being. And Paul murdered Christians. And Paul thought um, this movement of people calling Jesus king was of the devil until Jesus met him and changed him. And this is Paul decades later uh, writing to uh, people like us who lived in a town called Corinth. Paul says this. He starts out with a little bit of wrist slapping and then he moves in uh, to something different. He says, but I, but I, brothers, when I was with you, when I was pastoring you, I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not even solid food, because you weren't ready for solids. And even now you're not ready for solids, but you're still of the flesh. What's the evidence? What's causing him to say this kind of stuff like you're immature? For for there is jealousy and strife amongst you. And if that's true, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way, meaning not in a supernatural way, not in a grace-transformed way, but in a merely human way, a horizontal way? Aren't you behaving in only a, a human way? For when somebody says, I follow Paul, he's my guy, I'm with Paul, I loved him. And another says, but I follow Apollos, he's the best, he really knew what he was doing. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? 
Apollos was another pastor in Corinth. What is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted. That was my role in your life, Paul says. I planted the seed. Apollos' role was that he watered the seed, but it was God who gave the growth. So neither he who planted nor he who watered is anything. The only one who's someone is God who gave the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. And you, the church, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else now is building upon it. And let each one take care how he builds upon it. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for um, your presence with us, your presence with me even these past 120 times standing up here. Um, a weak, broken, crooked, backwards vessel instrument of yours, Um, but you working perfectly through an imperfect vessel. We pray that one last time tonight you would do that. We pray that during Jonathan's entire time here, you would be faithful to be a perfect preacher through an imperfect man, a perfect teller of good news uh, through a a crooked man like me. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. All right, take a seat and let's share a few things from this and be done. So here's a passage where Paul, who's had uh, interaction with these Christians in Corinth before, he's heard reports coming back to him. He's seen some like Facebook statuses or little some cat fights he's caught word of, of these Christians kind of reverting to tribalism. And they've, they've kind of devolved into people who say, man, Apollos, man, he, he was just like, he was such an amazing pastor. Like he had the counseling stuff here and he had the apologetics and he could defend the faith and he could convince anybody of it and he was an amazing preacher. And then other people were like, no, 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 Paul's the guy. Paul was where it's at. When Paul left the building, it's like Elvis left the building. It's like God's not here anymore when Paul left because Paul was where it was at. Paul was it. And Paul hears this and he's discouraged. And he, and he shoots straight with his people. Like he goes straight forward and he says... You're acting like babies. You're acting like children. And he's saying, what's discouraging about this is not much has changed about you because when I was with you, this stuff was happening too. It was leading to divisiveness, to divisions. These people were lining up behind which person who had an impact in their life. They were lining up between whichever one was their favorite or had the biggest impact. And Paul's saying, you're acting in a merely human way. You're not thinking about this the way God thinks about this. You're seeing this in a, in a sinful, a warped way. You're seeing it in a deluded way. And so Paul kind of corrects the record here and he says, here is how you should think about the people in your life who've had an impact on you. And this isn't just pastors in particular. That's what Paul's talking about, but we could extend this out to a parent or a teacher or a mentor, a spiritual mentor, a father, a mother, whatever. Or someone in RUF. The way we should think about the people who've had an impact on us is that they are mere servants. We tend to idolize people, don't we? Usually tonight's a senior send-off. Our senior is working at the hospital right now. She couldn't be here. So it's a senior citizen send-off with me now instead of her. (laughs) 
But I remember a couple years ago, we had one night when we were meeting in the uh, other place we used to meet, and uh, we were saying goodbye to Kyle Ferguson and Leslie Ferguson, and they're all married to each other now, Morgan Beale and Valeria Beale and Casey and... And so many others, we were, we were sending these people off, and we, we idolize people who've had an impact on us. When we sent Trish off right there a few months ago, uh, Trish had a huge impact on a lot of your lives. Some of you don't even know her because there's been so much change and new people around lately. But Trish had a huge impact on a lot of people here. And we tend to, um, in a good way, we value that, and we talk about Trish and Morgan and Valeria and Jake and Troy and whoever else. And they've had, they have had a huge impact on us. But we can also become so attached to them that we can't imagine life without them. How, like, what? I don't even think I want to be around anymore if that person's not going to be here. And that's where we shift from merely appreciating someone and celebrating the impact that they've had in our love for a person. We've crossed the line into idolizing the person and turning them into God. So when they're present... It's okay. And when they leave, it's not okay. That's something we should ever only say of God. When he is present, we're okay. We're safe. And when we're far, we're not okay. And we're in danger. Paul says the way you're to think of people who've had a big impact on your life, whether it's a peer or a pastor or a parent or a teacher, is you need to see them as a mere servant, a tool in the hand of Jesus. Let that image sink into you real quick. It's a simple image, but let it sink in because you're going to need it the rest of your life. The people who've made the biggest difference in your life were simply a tool, simply an instrument in the hand of a very good, generous, gracious Jesus. The reason they changed you or impacted you isn't because they have some supernatural little gift they were born with. The reason they changed you or they grew you or corrected you or encouraged you or lifted your spirits is because Jesus was doing that through them. This is right out of, this is right out of the passage. Paul says, what, in, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? In other words, how should we think about the Apolloses in your life, the Pauls in your life? The people who've had such a big Change uh, such a big made such a big difference in you. Paul says, There's servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Who's the decisive person in that equation? Who's the one calling the shots? Who's the one doing the work? It's the Lord, as the Lord assigned to each. Paul was merely the one through whom you believed, Apollos was merely the one through whom. You were persuaded or through whom you were encouraged or through whom you were pursued and brought back to Jesus. Paul was merely a tool. Apollos was merely a tool. Servants of Jesus. Jesus working through them for you on your behalf. And that's what he says. And this is what he means when he says... I planted. Paul did very real work. Paul's not saying, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Thanks for the compliment, whatever. Don't, I didn't do anything. Humble Brad, like It's all Jesus. He didn't, do, he didn't do that. He acknowledges, I planted. I planted seeds in you. And he acknowledges that Apollos, who, who he could have seen as a competitor, 
It's like if Paul's the RUF campus minister and Apollos is the director of crew or Chi Alpha or something. He could have felt very competitive about that and been like, man, I don't like how they're like doing well and going over there. Paul saw Apollos. Paul's like, Apollos is my brother. Apollos is a fellow servant of Jesus Christ. And he says Apollos had a role. Apollos did something unique in you Corinthians. He watered. That was what he did. But it was God who gave growth. You can pour water on a tree all day long. And pouring water on that tree does not make the tree grow. The tree's got to be alive. Some, something, something, some bigger process is absorbing that water and causing the tree to grow. You can plant seeds all you want. But if the conditions aren't right in the soil or the environment or in the seed itself to make the seed sprout... Simply putting dead seeds in the ground doesn't make them grow, and simply dumping water on a stick doesn't make it grow. Some process much bigger than the watering or the planting has to occur. And Paul is saying, don't you know that every centimeter of forward progress in your life, every moment of correction where your conscience has been pricked and you have repented of something and seen sin as death and not life, Every time you've been weary and scared and fragile and somebody or something or some article or some verse drew you back to Jesus and lifted. He's saying, don't you know that was Jesus who did that? He simply used this article or he simply used that verse. He simply used that friend over coffee that day. The friend, the article, the verse was simply his instrument. But don't you know it was always Jesus all along? Loving you, pursuing you, correcting you, rebuking you, encouraging you, growing you. Paul said, yes, I planted. Yes, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. As the Lord assigned to each, he says right before that. So what's the verdict? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Bring it to our situation. Some of y'all don't even know the names of people who were beloved and dear here. They were the people who no one could imagine what RUF would be like without them. What is Mike Biggs, the guy who planted RUF here 25 years ago, a decade before most of you were born? What is Mike Biggs? He's nothing. He's a servant of Jesus Christ because this is Jesus' ministry to reach his people not Mike Biggs's. Who is Shaner Newsom, who came after Mike and was here for eight years and had a huge impact? Shaner is nobody. Shaner is a tiny little servant in the hands of a very big and faithful Jesus. Who is Sid Druin? Now we're getting into a name some of you have heard of. Sid Druin is, Sid Druin is nobody. He's nothing. Yes, he planted. Yes, he watered. But he is a servant. He is an instrument in the hands of Jesus who gave growth. Who is Ben Coppage? Who is Anna? Who is Brittany? Nobody. Mere servants. Anything beneficial you've received from me or Anna or Brittany or the people to your left and your right, because this happens at a peer-to-peer level too, anyone you've received benefit from, wisdom from, discernment from, encouragement from, correction from, a hug from, is merely a servant. Jesus is, is working through them to meet you where you are. Through a word, through a hug, through a confrontation. He is always the one at work, loving you and pursuing you. All these people, that people sat in your chair even decades ago and could not imagine 
how could this be good in the future without this intern still here or this person still here or that senior who's about to graduate not here anymore? How could it still be good? Because they weren't the source of the growth. They weren't the, they're not the reason you had such a tight, close relationship with them. Jesus is. He gave them to you as a gift to bless you and encourage you. And he hasn't changed. He doesn't graduate. He doesn't move away. It's his world. And he's omnipresent. That's how Paul says we should think about the people who've made a difference in our lives and had a huge impact on us. And he says, he who plants and he who waters are one, which means they're on the same team. They have different roles. Paul had a planting ministry. Apollos had a watering ministry. I don't know, uh, by the way, don't hear me imagining that I've had some massive, huge impact on everybody. I haven't. But for some of you, we've, we've gotten to go really deep, right? We've gotten to talk about really cool, real stuff that has had an impact on you by God's grace. And so uh, I don't know what kind of impact I've had on some of you. Maybe it was a planting impact, and some of you are Christians now because of something you heard through a sermon or through, through a conversation. Some of you, maybe it was just an encouragement ministry, and it put a little bit more wind in your sails to keep sailing, to keep rowing. For some of you, it might have been a shepherding uh, um, kind of ministry of, of chasing you and bringing you back. When you thought that you could run from the church of God and no one would come after you. And maybe that's all it was as you saw this pastor calling you up and saying, what's going on? And that was Jesus pursuing you through that. But you've got to understand this. I, there's very limited kinds of an impact that I could ever have on you. And Jonathan, and whoever comes after Jonathan, and after him, and after him, and after him, there's a limitation to what kind of impact they will have too. Nobody gets to be everything. And this is what brings it full circle to the image I gave you earlier on. The people who make a difference in your life, and you as you make a difference in people around your, your life, were tools. I'm a woodworker. Those of you who have been to my house have seen my garage. I probably have hundreds of tools. And the more you know about the craft, woodworking or making an instrument or building furniture, whatever, the more tools you have because there is a specific tool. If you don't know what you're doing, you have like three tools in your toolbox, right? Like some of y'all's dads like brought you with like a little uh, toolbox for when you moved into the dorm and it's got like a hammer and a tape measure and a, and a little saw or something and that's it. When you don't know what you're doing, you only have a couple of tools and you use them for everything and you get pretty shabby results. When you're a master craftsman, you have hundreds of tools because you have a tool for the tiniest, most minute tasks. There's some tools on my shelf I pick up once every three years, but it's for a very specific thing. Jesus is a master builder, a master craftsman with your life, sanctifying you and growing you. And he has thousands of tools, an infinite supply of tools, we could say. And he will pick them up and use them at the appropriate times in the appropriate ways to push his agenda in your life forward, little by little. And a lot of the people around you at your church, here at RUF, your roommates, whoever, a lot of those people are his tools. They're his servants. They're his instruments. And you will be that tool in other people. But, but here's, here's the whole point. You can't be everything. You can't be everything to your friends. You can't have a holistic 360-degree impact on anybody. 
Even the people who've had the biggest impact in your life have only had a very narrow sliver of it, right? The older you get, the list is going to grow and grow and grow of the people who've, left, who've rubbed off on you and changed you. And it's going to be easier and easier to say goodbye to them. The reason why is because you've seen Jesus continue to bless you through people. And you'll start expecting him to continue to use his tools to grow you or to plant seeds in you. He says, verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. And he says, you are God's field, God's building. And God is building on that foundation. That's how we're to think about the people who've had an impact on us. You've been tools to me too, by the way. You've been instruments in my life and in Anna's life. You've rubbed off on us. We're different people. Almost five years later from moving here. We're different people. Um, which means we take some of you with us when we go, just as we leave some of us with here when we go. And for that, we're grateful. Um, but always remember, Jesus is the one who is always at work. Any benefit you've received was from his hand. He is the one who is due the praise and the gratitude and the, and the warmth and the affection and the marvel. It would be just as weird of walking into a surgery after a master surgeon has saved someone's life in the impossible surgery and celebrating the scalpel. What an amazing job this scalpel just did. I cannot believe you saved this girl's life. It's unbelievable. No one's ever done that before. I'm going to frame you. You don't celebrate the tool. You celebrate the surgeon who held the tool. You don't celebrate the sculpture. You celebrate the sculptor who made it. Who held the tool. We celebrate Jesus here because Jesus is the one who has loved you. Jesus is the one who has given himself for you. Jesus is the one who has borne patiently with you and with me. And Jesus is the one who has used such backward, one step forward, two step back kind of people like me or anybody else to bless you. He did it. And he's staying. He's not going anywhere next spring. And I'm happy to know that he's in Athens, Georgia, waiting on us too. That gives me a lot of confidence. All right, I want to end here. If you remember us, what would I like you to remember? There's a few things. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to just be a pastor here and tell you some spiritual stuff. I would really love for you to remember this. You can forget everything else. Remember that the gospel is not good advice for you to follow. The gospel is good news for you to hear. It's good news for you to believe. It's history, not philosophy. It's news. It's not ideology. The gospel is not advice for you to do something with. The gospel is the story in history of Jesus coming to save you from yourself and from your sin and from your guilt. And you need to remember that. Remember that... God gives you himself, not just his grace. God doesn't stand in heaven and throw little candies down at you and say, here's a little candy for you. God gives you himself. That's what we just sang about. God became one of us and, walked and lived among us and bore our burdens and came to life so that we might have life. God gives you himself. If you forget that, you will have an ideas-based relationship with God that's very impersonal, very dry, very stale, and it leaves all the work on you. But he's a person, and he's alive, and he helps, and he carries, and he blesses, and he intercedes. So remember that God gives you himself, not just his grace. 
Remember that Jesus... Actually, we'll save that for last because that's how I want to end. Cultivate in your heart and help your friends cultivate a white-hot hatred for consumerism in the church. It is cancer. It is of the devil. And it will destroy your life. When you find churches difficult or ministries difficult and you have the option to run and go on somewhere else or to stay, don't you run. You stay and you lean into it and you love those people and you pray and you learn how to go through it, not retreating away from it. And don't you dare use the church. Don't you dare use ministries to get a little pick-me-up and go on your way and hit a few others on the way. Give yourself to the church. Abide with her. Walk with her. Be known by her and know her. If you are a consumer, you are always out the door right when the chance to get to know somebody and give your life away presents itself. Cultivate a hatred for satanic consumerism in the land of consumerism. The last thing I want to say is remember that Jesus is patient with sinners. If you remember any verse I've ever shared with you, oh, please let it be 1 Timothy 1. I just took the thing out of here. 1 Timothy 1, 16 and right around there. Let me read it for you and this will be the last thing I say. Paul says, I thank Jesus who has given me strength, Christ Jesus my Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent of his. But I received mercy because I had acted, I was ignorant and unbelieving. And the grace of our Lord Jesus overflowed on me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, Paul says. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of kings, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you honor and glory. We celebrate you. We look to you and we say thank you to you for all that you have done. Because one day, Lord, I know this is true. Right now in heaven, the elders who are gathered around your throne and all of the saints in heaven are not celebrating each other. They are not singing Hosanna or Holy, Holy, Holy to Paul or Peter or James or John or Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., or any other saint who's died and passed on, they are celebrating you who is behind it all. They are thanking you who is behind every piece of grace. So Jesus, as we look to the future, the rest of our lives, we pray that you would not let us get away with just seeing people as people, but let us see them as instruments in your hand, tools that you've given us because you are lovely, And you love us. Be with us all as we step into next spring. And be be the king, the ruler, and the grower of this place. Amen.